0: Welcome to the PHNX Coyotes Podcast, brought to you by the one and only DraftBook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a five-star review. I'm Leah Merrill here with Steve Peters and Craig Morgan, and we are really excited today to be welcomed by a special guest, head coach of the Atlanta Gladiators, the new ECHL affiliate of the Arizona Coyotes, Jeff Pyle. Jeff, welcome to the PHNX Coyotes Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us.
4: Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Jeff, uh,
2: we uh, we obviously heard the news recently that the Coyotes are going to be, have a new ECHL affiliate with Atlanta. But before we get to all of that, I was diving into your past a little bit. Uh, this I know this fascinates all of us on this show anyway. So tell us a little bit about your hockey playing path. You enjoyed some really good seasons at Northern Michigan, I believe under Coach Rick Comley, right, whose son is a scout for the Coyotes.
4: Yeah I did play for Rick and he was the best coach I ever had uh just uh he was a good person he kind of had his little tricks to motivate you but he was up front honest you know yeah and back in the day he, he has a stare uh and back in the day uh you knew when he was mad at you but it was okay like I like those coaches I like being if I'm doing something wrong I want to know you know so yeah and I loved it three years there it was amazing I was uh I was not a great hockey player when I was young. So all this that I've kind of gotten to uh, was really not in my resume when I was young. So uh, every day for me, I've always told people this, every day is like my NHL. So uh, And Northern was about as professional as it got. I had a blast there. I,
2: I wanted to ask how that even happened. I I, I looked at where you're from, at least. Uh, I don't know how much time you spent in your hometown. I don't know about those early years, but coming from rural missouri how does how does that happen it's it's not a traditional path that's for sure
4: no my dad actually was in the service and so we moved all around and then all of a sudden we dropped in minnesota and uh my dad left and my mom stayed there and took care of us um she was the best dad i ever had she brought up the kids and uh we had an outdoor hockey rink and this is what a lot of the kids don't understand now is we had an outdoor hockey rink across the street one way and across the street the other way. So in the winter, you're either skiing or snowmobiling or, you know, (laughs) sledding or you're skating. You know, there's not much more you can do. Um, And that's all I did. You know, I I was out on the ice every day. You know, I could see the rink from my house. So as soon as it was swept off in the morning, I was there. Um, And that's that's where we ended up was Minnesota. And then um, I was okay in high school. We always had one of the top teams in the state um but i was just average you know so i was kind of the guy that would fill in wherever i could and if i was on the first line sometimes you know okay if normally i was a second maybe third line guy and then i played one year junior in uh, the ushl the first year i never played so i finally quit and i just said i'll go play junior b and have some fun you know and all of a sudden i was playing all the time and i was scoring and i got my confidence and then uh the next year I was in the USHL again and I figured, okay, I'll play one more year and then I'll be a construction worker. Cause that's what I was. And I love that job too. I absolutely love being a construction worker. I had a blast doing that. And so, uh, I played the last year of junior and we did well. Um, and then, uh, Rick calmly came to one of our practices and, uh, afterwards he took us to breakfast and he just said, uh, you know, I'd like to have you come to Northern. And he said, uh, you'll make the team. It's just a matter of how good you want to, you know, how much you want to play. And that was all I needed was that right there. And I got recruited from some other teams, but I, you know, I had a buddy that, that, uh, Knew a little bit about Northern, and I asked him, and he told me, uh, yeah, go there. It's a nice place, and best decision I ever made. Second best, other than my wife. So <laughs> oh, yeah, I got to throw that one <laughs> in there just in case, because
1: we know she's listening, <laughs> Jeff. So my question, Jeff, and you brought up my keyword here from Minnesota, because I'm a Minnesota kid from way up north in Bemidji. So I, where did you go to high school in the Minneapolis? Uh,
4: Lincoln High School, before Kennedy and before Jeff. We went to Lincoln. Uh, wow, that's old. Bemidji. Bemidji was the first, uh, the first and only hockey school I ever did. Oh,
1: my dad owned the hockey school up there, Jeff. I got the Bemidji Hockey School T-shirts uh, stacked in my closet just now. So yeah, see, no I went excited. there when
4: I was young and I loved it.
1: Yeah, it's it's back when hockey schools when there weren't many going on there in Brainerd. So Jeff, yeah. I got a question about your coaching path. So I look at your schedule, your your hockey DB and you talked about the best coach he ever had. What about the coach in 86, 87 with the Saginaw generals, the assistant coach of the Saginaw generals was listed as Jeff Pyle. So, so are (laughs) you, are are you a player coach and are you Reg Dunlop in 86, 87 player (laughs) coach? You just say, yeah, you're up Pyle. You're up. You're next.
4: Dennis, Dennis DeRoget coached. And uh, so I was a player assistant that way. And I did, I did a lot of the business stuff and stuff like that. So that's kind of when I got started, but I will tell you when I was in Germany, one time they fired the coach and I was a player coach. So I was a Reg Dunlop for a while <laughs> and it was kind of fun, but it was kind of one of those things where, yeah, I, I don't don't mind doing this for a little while, but I don't want to do it a lot.
1: Yeah. I'd be calling my number all the time. My my Yeah. yeah, going through yeah. The, yeah you're up. You're up. <laughs> uh, so then when did the bug for coaching come in? Like, how does that start the transition from player? Like when do you go, okay, I just can't do this anymore. Um, Either it's your body or mind or saying, hey, I got to try something else.
4: Yeah, I had a back injury and I still to this day suffer from it. And uh, and it's kind of like my battle scar. You know, I don't I don't even care. Some days I struggle walking, but that's all right. Um, But it happened when I was in Germany and uh, I couldn't play after that anymore. So I was getting ready to go home and they're like, uh, would you like to stay and coach? And I said, you have a coach here. And they go, well, if you stay, we'll fire him. I said, no, you're not going to do that to me. Wow. <laughs> I said, you guys got to decide what you're going to do. And then I'll decide from there what I'm going to do, you know? And they go, well, if you stay, we'll fire him. And I said, I got tickets going home tomorrow that you guys paid for. So that's my plan right now. Huh. Uh, so they decided to fire him and then I stayed. And then, uh, and I didn't really want to be a coach. Like I was going to go home and just start working. Cause I told my wife, you know, I played college. I played pro for 13 years. I was over in Europe you know, we kind of did what we wanted to do. Uh, we had our son over in Germany, so I didn't want him to go to school. He was like four years old. Um, so then I came home after that, I did four years over in Germany. And then, uh, I came home after that and I was getting ready to get out of hockey. Uh, but I threw, I talked to Don Waddell cause I played with him at Northern and I congratulated him cause they had won the Stanley cup with Detroit before that as assistant. And I was just so fired up for him, especially in Detroit, where he was from, you know, proud of him for that. And then, uh, he goes, what are you going to do? And I go, I don't know. I've thrown my resume out, but I'm not really, I'm not sure, you know. And so then uh, four days later, I had somebody reach out to me after I get after Donnie had talked to somebody, you know, so Bob McNamara called me, wanted me to be an assistant in Grand Rapids for Curtis Hunt and him. And I went there and I just loved it. I was like the eye in the sky and I did the video and, you know, just jumped around on practice and Curtis Hunt had a ton of energy and I fed off of that and learned from him. And then the next year I ended up going to Mobile, Alabama and took the job there. And that's where my coaching really started right there. Um, I went to a bad situation and had to rebuild it and uh, finished the season 16, 6, and 2 and made the playoffs. And I took one day off and then started recruiting again. So that's my career right there.
0: So I want to go back to your playing career a little bit. And you mentioned Germany, but you experienced just about every – you know, minor league hockey there is to experience the Atlantic Coast Hockey League, the International Hockey League and the American Hockey League. And then, of course, Germany. So from your time as a player, what did you learn about the American League system and how it evolved and that, you know, how that plays into you, know, you as a coach now?
4: Um, when I was in the American League in Binghamton, it was a tight checking league and um, and you were told as a rookie, you're going to wait. I was told by Larry Kish, Gellarno sat, Newfeld sat, and you're going to sit. So I was like, all right, fine, you know. And then he picked on me because I was an American too. So I was like, okay, fine, that's <laughs> fine, you know. Um, but in the end, the American League, to me, it was good. Um, and there was a lot of, you know, great players in that league. But when I got to play in the IHL, there was good NHL players in that league, like, The team I played with, where we had Mark Bergerman, we had Eddie Belfort, Panger, uh, Butch Cassidy like we had a ton of guys, great guys Kenny Painter, uh, Dave Manson, you know, Rick Patterson, Bill Gardner. Um, So that league was really good. Um, That was when that league turned from the old IHL to the new IHL. It was starting to turn and there were great players coming into the league, and all the teams were getting better, better coaches were coming in was really fun and that's kind of where i learned too and i'm a big i got i'm gonna you know i'm the guy that i I want to learn till i die type guy you know i want to if i if if i have a question it's coming you know like uh, i never think that i know too much and there's always someone better and knows more so um i'm just kind of a sponge in every situation so that's how i started and uh, donnie was working with rick dudley so i would follow a little bit of their stuff and then with the atlanta affiliation i got in the middle of every coach that ever came through here um, so how can you not learn? You know, I'd be a moron to not learn.
0: What do you think minor leagues in the U.S. can do a better job of?
4: Uh, just protecting players. They do a good job of it anyway, but just headshots, especially at our level. The headshots, you know, there's just too much danger now and guys are too big and strong. Um, but it's not everybody's, it's not bad. Everybody's trying. But I think that's the biggest thing. The, the dirty stuff has got to get out of the game. Fighting's okay. Um, I still think that's part of the game you know it it keeps everybody honest as long as you don't have anybody cheating on anybody or sucker punches and stuff like that but um, that would be the only thing I mean sometimes they're trying to open it up and change it a little too much and I like it being a little bit dirtier you know it's okay that it's a little bit you know there's some slashing and some cross-checking going on like it's, it's a game. It's a, it's a tough, hard game. And, you know, I mean, my body's killing me because of it, Uh, (laughs) but I'll, I'll take that to my grave.
2: Jeff, we always hear Phoenix referred to as a a non-traditional hockey market, but and you touched on this earlier, you have coached in some very non-traditional markets like mobile Alabama, as you mentioned, the Atlanta area, Cedar park, Texas, Evansville, Indiana. (laughs) Can you take us through some of those experiences and memories of, of, of being at that level in, In cities like that
4: Uh, mobile was extremely cool like uh, and and that was my first coaching job because i had actually when i came home after grand rapids you know i told my wife i said we can settle down or you know we can i can go in hockey and i had three interviews and the first one they said jeff your resume looks great you're a great guy Um, but you've been in germany for 10 years so we're a little worried and i said yeah i get it you know and then second And that was in the first one was in Fayetteville in the central league. Hmm. And then the second one was in Muskegon. I think it was the colonial league and same thing, exact same thing. And they said, yeah, great interview and great coach player, you know, uh, but you've been in Germany. And so I'm like, okay, no problem. You know, and I wasn't super disappointed because I understood. And so then I got a call from mobile and they said, uh, you know, can you come in? I said, yeah. And then at that time I had interviewed for Coca-Cola and I am, the best sponsor for Coca-Cola in the history of (laughs) Coca-Cola. I live off this stuff. Um, But the bottom line is I went to Coca-Cola and it was a good job. It would have been in Minnesota and uh, we could settle down. And uh, so they offered me the job and I said, listen, I've already accepted to go out of town. I'm going to go out of town to this interview and they're going to tell me your resume looks great you're a good guy, but um, you know, we're going to go in different directions. So that's what I planned. Then I went out of town to Mobile and, um, went golfing with Steve Chapman the first day and uh, we had a great time. And we went with this guy who was like the major rep from Burger King. His name was Frank. He had a great day. Um, he was the guy that always walks in your line and putts before you when he's not supposed to type guy, but he was a great guy and a really nice guy and everything. So we had fun that day, that dinner, we went out, out to dinner with uh, Toby Jeffries and tiny Simmons and, and Chappy. And the four of us were sitting there and uh, Toby goes, uh, yeah, I heard you had some interviews. And I said, yeah, I did. And I said, the bottom line is, uh, I said, uh, first one, just like I told you guys, exact same story. And Toby looked at me, he goes, third time's a charm. And he winked at me. And I got like this rush of anxiety. And I was like, oh, my God, I might get this job. Now what do I do? You know, like, and I started to panic. And I I had a club sandwich. I couldn't even eat it. I couldn't even pick it up. Um, So I sat there the rest of the night, then took it to go. And so I got back to the hotel and I told Kathy, I said, you know, what do you want to do? I said, we might get this job. And she goes, no way. (laughs) I said, yeah, we might get this job. And so she goes, now what? And I said, I don't know. So I said, I told Chappie the next morning, we had a meeting. I went home and uh, I just told Kathy, I said, uh, you know, you pick what you want to do. I said, you've been following me around for a while. I said, I'll get out of this. Got this job with Coca-Cola. I'll be a merchandise guy. I can see myself doing that, saving us a lot of money on Coke right there. So I was all in for that. I was like, I'll do that. And she said, and her exact words were, um she goes you do hockey and uh so she goes let's do it so I was like all right you know so we went and now here we are so really it was her decision to do this um I was okay with not doing it because I didn't really I wasn't sure if I wanted to coach I mean I loved the game and traveled and the whole nine yards but I was willing to settle down too but she's from California and I met her at Marquette Michigan and dated her from then and uh I knew she wasn't going to go to Minnesota and stay there never in a million years. <laughs> so I was glad she made that choice.
2: Did you, I mean, was it, was it an experience coaching in markets like that though? Where it again, hockey's not exactly ingrained in mobile or Evansville. Uh, what did you find out about those markets?
4: Um, mobile was just crazy. Cause it just wasn't, a, it was, a, it was one of those markets where you go in there and it was in a rodeo type arena, you know, um, but the fans were great. Like during Mardi Gras, everybody would be there, it'd be crazy, you know, and, there's, and that, that's where Mardi Gras originated. And so it was just this deep South, but it just had a, it was hockey with a bit of a twang, you know, that's really all it was. And it was a lot of fun, great people. And, you know, I had unbelievable friends still there uh, that we worked with. And then we go into Atlanta where we go, you know, from probably the worst arena in the league to the best arena in the league in Atlanta. And that was just mm. everybody it was like, so much building going on and we're in the best building in the league and everything around us is developing. So that was amazing. And then, then I get the chance in the the American league too. I've tripped on more jobs. I'm telling you, like, I don't even didn't even throw my resume out for some of these. So I'm in Mobile and uh, or in Atlanta and they're asking me about uh, Ryan, Ryan Garbutt, who I had, you know, uh, Glenn Godson and Scott White called me about him and said, Hey, what do you think about this guy being in the NHL? And I said, He's got all the tools. He skates. He's tough. He can score. He hits hard. I said, he just got to make some better decisions. But, yeah, I think he could, you know. And then I talked to both uh, Gully and and uh, and uh, Joe Newendike, too, and they asked, and I said the same thing. And so I said to Scott White, I said, Scott, I haven't sent my resume out in years. I said, so I said, can you can – you, I'm going to send it to you, update it and send it to you. And I said, and I just want you to crush it. Like, rip it. Like, rip me because in case I decide, you know, I've been in Atlanta for 10 years, maybe it's time to move type thing. He goes, yeah, send it to me. And I said, I know you guys have another coach. And I wasn't really, wasn't looking for a job. I just wanted to see if my resume looked okay. You know, because being an older guy and, you know, not as great with the computer, like some of the kids were. So I send it to him and he calls me a day later and he goes, "Uh, would you like to fly into Dallas? You know? So I'm like, got caught like totally blindsided. So I'm like, yeah. So I fly in there and I meet with those guys and it was a good meeting and everything. And, you know, I met with the equipment guys. I knew a couple of them. They just said, uh, you know, uh, they're, they're, you're the only one they're introducing everybody to. So I was like, Oh no, now I gotta make another decision. And we were ready to leave Atlanta, but it's like, do we move the family again, which is tough on the family all the time. But I always look at it as, you know, the experiences, you know, we're in Cedar park and then you're right next to Austin. it's keep Austin. What's the word there? Uh, keep Austin weird or something like that, you know, Uh, and, you know, you're in Texas now as opposed to, you know, Alabama and just a bigger, you know, just a bigger market, uh, you know, NHL, American league, you know, I go to Dallas's camp, you know, and then you're in the American league the whole year and you're just, you know, great prospects, but, you know, that market was just hot too, you know, just, and still is. And it's a great organization, the Dallas, you know, Texas organization and every one of those people were great. Um, so then I got to go there. And then, you know, like I said, it's, you know, I find myself in Europe and places. And to me the experience that we've had the life lesson that Kathy and I have had of being able to you know travel the world and do what we do. And, you know, I, I would, I would never in a million years ever, ever change it. Sorry about that. You guys. Um, fine. I just love, like I said, I've been so blessed to be able to do what I do. Jeff, can you can provide
2: some insight as to how this agreement came about with the Coyotes? I, I think you have a relationship with Coyotes Assistant General Manager John Ferguson, Jr., but maybe you can provide some insight as to how this all came about.
4: Yeah, well, we were working with Boston before, and then last year we worked with, with Ottawa, and uh, we had some other stuff going on, too, that we were trying to put, you know, I had a friend that was trying to put a team uh, maybe in New Mexico, if possible, you know, Type thing, and there was some stuff going on there, which in this league happens all the time. Everybody's trying to buy everything and change everything, type thing. Um, so I had found out that John had moved over there, and I just and Bill too, I knew Bill from before being in the ECHL, and so I just kind of reached out to both of them and said, Listen, I'm just going to plant a seed here. Um, if somewhere down the line, you know, you guys need an affiliate, you know, because I told them if they're staying with Rapid, that's fine, if they're not, you know, and they're looking we'd like to throw our name in the hat. Um, so that's really how that got going. And John's relationship with me, I think I, I you know, worked with him for a couple of years and, you know, uh, he knows me. And that I think the familiarity is good. I think it's easier for him too, because he knows what I do and how I'm going you know, to, you know, run my uh, program here. So I think that's really how it got going. I think it's kind of from a trust and flying in out of Atlanta is a great place to you know get flights and easy to get in and out, so I use that hub pretty well too.
1: So we saw this a lot last year with the Coyotes. They went through a lot of injuries, so they had guys. You know they go up the ladder. They're going from Tucson up to Phoenix, and they had to go from Rapids up to to Tucson. So you're in your position in the in the ECHL, you're providing most of your players up to Tucson. So is that communication go through you? Do you, do you get it? sense and develop a relationship with steve pot the head coach or do you deal mostly with as you said with john ferguson jr and with management to get that relationship together
4: well i think it's a little of both because john you know will call me sometimes and say you know we might need this guy back or you know or or their guys are up and they need another guy from us so john may call and then steve may call too and go a lot of time it'll be steve probably too because he'll want to know He needs this guy or this guy or who's playing better. Is it this guy or this guy? Um, So he kind of and I think that's a good way to do it. You know, they're going to want to, you know, pit these kids against each other. So who's ever playing the best in that position at that time? And sometimes they'll take our guys just to motivate their own guys and send a message. So it's really a little bit of both. But I think at the time when there's a question on players, it would be Steve calling me or, you know, John, one of those John Slaney, too, you know, just to get a read on the guy or a goalie, whatever it may be, you know. How hard is
1: that as a coach? When I mean, you see it, you're happy for the kid. You like to see a kid develop and move move up and, and get different playing experiences. But as a coach, when those kids leave and get the call up to the American League or eventually up to the big club, um, they're your best players. I mean, those are the guys that you're good players and the good offensive and defensive and great goaltenders are the ones that are moving up and down. How does that affect you as a coach? I mean, it, you got to mix – your emotions for the kid. Good for him, but good grief. Now my lineup's tough for this, this weekend's games. How does that affect you as a coach?
4: Well, you kind of put on the face, you kind of put on the face, like, man, I'm happy for him. And then when the door closes, you're like, God, I wish that. Um, And (laughs) and you don't mean to to say it that way, but um, you know, you, the pressure of, you know, everybody has to win and you can't really use the call-ups and stuff as an excuse. Yeah, it happens, but you got to find a way to win. And I always tell my guys, it's, it's, we're, we're not really losing the guy. We're happy for him, but it's an opportunity for the next guy down here that's been complaining that he's not on the power player, he's not on the penalty kills. So I always push everybody that way. It's not about who you don't have. It's about who you do have. Um, so I push that out of the way. I mean, I like when we're shorthanded. I like when we're the underdog. It builds character. It prepares you for what's going to happen in the playoffs. It prepares you for life. So every time there's a little adversity, I like, no matter what it is, like last year we were in the playoffs, mm-hmm. We didn't get a playoff game at home in the first four games uh, because of the arena. Um, but I didn't want to use it as an excuse, like poor us. I was like, okay, cool. We'll be the first team that does really well and, you know, wins this series somehow. We didn't, but that's the way we approach it. And I think that's the way I approach everything. I'm not going to, you know, there's no reason to cry about spilled milk, you know, just move forward and, uh, you know, keep it going.
0: So we've seen the ECHL used by NHL teams for goaltender development, for rehab since for AHL call-ups, like we've already talked about. So in your mind, as a, an ECHL coach, what is the value of an ECHL affiliation for a franchise?
4: I think it's enormous. Um, Like I tell all these kids that are on contracts down here, I said, this is the only place you're going to get this opportunity. You know, you're going to get your 20, 25 minutes here. And the goalies are playing every other game and stuff like that. When they're in the American League, they don't get that. And they're not getting that power play time. And then I make sure that they're, like the details, they got to be good. If they're going to stay in the American league and make it to the NHL, they got to be smart. They got their reads have got to be good. Um, I'm not going to say you can't make a mistake, but you can't make a lot of stupid mistakes, you know? So I just try to clean them up here and then, you know, get them going on their way. But, you know, this is what we're here for. We're a feeder for the American league and then on to the NHL. So, you know, that's what we want. And the more of those kids that go up there, it says a lot for this league and we do give them ice time. Um, you know, I think they learn a lot here from the older guys, too, where when you're first coming into the American League, you're a little scared because you got, you know, you got a lot. You're intimidated by guys that have been in the NHL, whereas in the ECHL, there are a lot of guys that you've you know, kind of been around, guys that play junior together, things like that. So this is a great mentally and physically a great league for these guys to play in. And it's a great developmental league to get to the American League and help the NHL teams, you know, see their guys a little bit more.
0: So. Uh, Philadelphia Flyer special assistant assistant to the GM, Danny Breer, also a uh, former Arizona Coyote. He said he thinks that NHL clubs could do more with their ECHL affiliates. Do you agree with that? Or are you happy with the way things are?
4: No, I think they should get more involved. If we're going to be part of what they do, it, you know, any way they can help us with just, you know, whether it's, you know, I mean, a lot of teams do it anyway. They'll send down uh, coaches to, you know, like goalie coaches, uh, uh, scouts come through, which is great. Not so much that they're going to change anything we do, but they're going to do some of their own stuff, especially the goalie coaches are good or skills coaches will come down. That's amazing for us. Um, but just keeping video coming to us. And a lot of these guys do it too, but you know, I would like to see the NHL buy an ECHL affiliate and just mm-hmm. kind of make it a three-way type thing. I mean, if, the, if, if we're going to, you know, if we're and it all, I think we'd go with location, but, If you're going to really work it right, you know, it it should be an even playing field for everybody. And then that way you develop your whole system. And it could be through ticket sales, through everything you do, you know, equipment managers, you know, so you're developing everybody in your own organization, which I think can only help.
2: Following up on Leah's question, Jeff, uh, Danny also said he thinks Eastern Conference teams maybe use their ECHL affiliates more, and some of that may have to do with geography. There's there's only three teams in the Mountain Time Zone, none in the Pacific. Um, do you think that plays a role, first of all? And, and I don't know if you've ever heard any discussion about the ECHL maybe moving out west to enhance those relationships as well.
4: Well, you know, like when we first started, I'll go back, there was like eight teams when I first started, I think, or 10 in this league and they were all out in this area. And then we started to go West a little bit more and everything, which, you know, it was actually pretty good and stuff. And I think in the end, um, you know, it's, it's from a recruiting standpoint, when we came from Atlanta and Mobile, the recruiting wasn't great, but when we went to Atlanta and I went to the draft and I just told him, I said, I'm, I want to move guys up. I'm going to play young. I want to get young college guys. I want to move them up. And that was kind of my, you know, my reputation. So I got to know all the agents and that's how, because of having such a great market at the time we could compete with anybody. You know, we were younger than everybody else, but we were good every year and uh, Atlanta helped us a ton being right here. And that's location too, uh, which Mm -hmm. was amazing for us. Um, But I think that's, you know, in the end, the, uh, I think that's the biggest point to to me was uh, you know, having the opportunity to develop the kids and having the opportunity to be in those markets. uh, You know, I think it's just the best for the game. Atlanta
2: obviously has a a little less than ideal NHL history with a a couple incarnations, not succeeding there, but how has the market treated the gladiators? What, what has been your relationship with the city and the fans there?
4: Um, It's been great. I mean, from day one, I mean, Obviously, uh, everybody says it's kind of a funky market at times because, you know, there's so many people that are not from Atlanta here. Um, the Thrashers probably didn't draw as good as they could have, you know, um, at times, but, you know, that that is what it is. When we first started um, here, you know, they were 45 minutes down the way and we'd have fans that would go see their game during the day and come see our game at night, you know, so there was crazy hockey fans. Um, you know, just the only thing is I don't, think they ever developed their own everybody when you go to a game you'd see new york jerseys detroit jerseys everybody you know all sorts of other jerseys but i don't think they ever developed their own solid fan base other than they were hockey fans you know and then they never made a a, a lot of playoff runs with church too but that's the same thing with us is when we were rocking and rolling early we were averaging you know five and a half thousand then when the you know when the nhl went on strike we were right around six thousand, and you know we were getting sellouts and there was one night, I know Derek Nesbitt always talks about that, the one night where the Thrashers were playing downtown and they drew, I think, nine nine 9,500. And we drew a little over 10 here and out, out drew them that night. So, uh, you know, that to us, that was a big thing. You know, you're competing. And I think it's a good market. You know, I mean, maybe we haven't tapped it the way we could have. I don't know. I'm not the business type, so I can't say that. But our fans have been amazing. They've stuck with us. We've had fans, you know that I consider great friends, you know, that have just been our fans forever. And they follow us around. When I was in Texas, they'd show up there. And in Mobile, they'd show up there, even the fans from Mobile. That's when I realized what a cult it was from a standpoint of the Mobile Mystics. Our fans, the one guy we were in, we went to Pensacola and fans from Mobile came over and they said, and and they hadn't had a team for a while or nothing. And they came over and they had the old jerseys on. So I took a picture with them and, you know, we were talking and stuff and they said, we cried when you guys lost in the finals that year. And it didn't even hit me that they would even think about it, you know, but that's how the way it is. It's just this league is an amazing league and people are, you know, they're, they're diehards. It's just, I think it's a great league and it keeps expanding more and more. Now we're in Canada too. So going out West would be good. Uh, you know, and just, I think push it as far as you can. I don't know the limits of, you know, where it's headed.
0: Last question before we let you go um, about the, Atlanta Gladiator season coming up. What is your outlook on this upcoming season, which is right around the corner?
4: Um, we had a blast last year and it's pretty much the same group. This is the easiest recruiting group I've ever had. Um, we had a team last year and my theory was after the, the pandemic was let's create a moment. You know, everything you do is going to be create a moment, you know, in your life. Like we had some guys like, you know, I was making examples, you know, Sly's, you know, having a baby this year, Carlos, you know, having a baby this year, you know, uh, people dying in your life you know it was around cancer time too so I said let's just go out let's focus on hockey everybody get the, the vaccine so we can stay healthy and let's just have the most fun we could and we had one of the best years we've had in a long time and everybody just bought in and we had fun so we're just gonna do the same thing and this this you know I'm getting towards the end of my career here so every year to me is going to be I'm going to have fun I'm going to work hard and I'm going to press these guys every day to, to bring their best and that's really all I can do
0: well, Jeff, we can't thank you enough for being so generous with your time. Best of luck with the upcoming season, and hopefully, we'll talk to you again soon.
4: No, thank you, you guys. This has been a blast. So this is great, and uh, I wish you guys all the all the best. And uh, thanks. If Jeff. You need me again? I'll be here. Hopefully, great
1: getting to know you. Thanks, Jeff. Good you luck. Too.
4: Thanks, you guys. Yes, thank you. Bye.
0: Well, thank you again to Atlanta Gladiators head coach Jeff Pyle for his time. My I just need to say right off the bat every time he talked about getting a job her and feeling like anxiety, I was just thinking of Petey, like, oh, the rush of anxiety with having to make a decision. Who does that sound like?
1: I you know. You know got make another decision. Oh, <laughs> I, was, I was
2: just worried that we were going to go down another Minnesota rabbit hole.
1: Oh, Bemidji hockey camp. How about that? <laughs> like, that's oh, crazy, right? Gosh. Yeah, that is. I
0: know yeah. that's crazy, but it's so cool. You know, he had such a non-traditional path to get to where he is. And he's like Craig touched on, he's coached in non-traditional markets. And oh. it, that story he told at the end, just like people are diehard hockey fans all over the country. And it's not just at the NHL level. Like people just love hockey and it doesn't matter where they'll, they'll yeah. always be hockey fans.
1: From selling Coke in Minneapolis to 20 <laughs> years in Atlanta, coaching hockey, big difference in life just by taking that job. It's funny. Cause I'm going through all of the Arizona Coyotes that have had a taste of the East Coast Hockey League. And to Craig's point earlier, if you look at the goaltenders, Alex All, Burke, Domingue, D- D- Dubnik, Grice, Hill, Kemper, Langhammer, Mike McKenna, it is an incredibly long list. And forwards, it's much, much smaller. And it, that's how you talk about building that ladder. And Boko Amama is the most recent guy who, who had touches in the East Coast League. And a, a guy that we might talk to this week, Dyson Mayo, also had his touches in the East Coast League. So yes, guys can make it. Guys playing the East Coast League can play in the National Hockey League. So it's definitely something to keep your eye on. On that path, it's possible. So you yeah. know, it's one of those things where you, you got to start somewhere and you just you work your way up from the East Coast League up to the National League. It's kind of cool. I always love hearing the minor league stories too, because
2: like you said, Leah, that it, it may be a smaller fan base, but they're really passionate. The people that turn out are are there all the time, and there's a there's a, a greater connection, I think, with teams at that level because there's not the layers of you know, protection for the players because it's a pro level. You don't have to do that as much. They want people to be out in the community connecting as much as possible. So there's a, there's a really great relationship in those cities. And you see it sometimes when you go down to Tucson, you absolutely get that feel. So minor leagues in many ways are a lot of fun to to be around.
0: Yeah, and the Gladiators themselves, it's their 26th season in the ECHL. They've had success in Atlanta, and it's actually the second time the Gladiators franchise has been an affiliate of the Coyotes. They had a partnership from 2011 to 2015. It's always really interested me how the partnerships for the ECHL change, but it was really interesting hearing what Jeff said, too, that he would like to see NHL NHL buy franchises and have it be more established, more like the AHL-NHL team
2: relationship. I always wonder about that because to me, I, I guess as, I guess it comes down to the volume of players that you're talking about. Like baseball, you can obviously see this happen because they have endless rounds of drafts and there's prospects at all different levels. But when when you factor in not only the American Hockey League, but then players playing juniors or college or over in Europe, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what you guys think. Pete, I'd love your thoughts on this, but is, is there enough? is there enough of a development opportunity to, to make that sort of commitment with the ECHL? Are there enough players really to make that sort of commitment?
1: It's hard. And it, it always depends. There was more movement last year between the East coast league team and the American league team than I ever remember with the Phoenix Coyotes because of all of the injured Arizona Coyotes. Sorry, not Phoenix Coyotes. <laughs> but you can't anticipate that without that, wow. without that yeah, Craig, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's, you can find guys to play in the American League. We've had Jay Veriday on before, and Jay always said, we'd find a guy. Like, you'd find a guy. So, those affiliations, I'm not sure it's ever going to happen. I, I really don't know that financial commitment to make that, to have an East Coast League team be your, you know, whether you see an ownership group come come in and buy an East Coast League. I, I don't see it happening right now.
0: Well, we got a new uh, partner, everyone, and I'm really excited about this. You do? Jerry. I- No, we'll get to that later. later. We'll get to that later. I know everybody's been, people are already asking me about the Harry Styles thing in the comments but we'll get to that in a second. I'm really excited about our new partner. I actually just downloaded the app this morning right before the show, um, but it's Underdog Fantasy. It's the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season, and it's the Underdog Fantasy and their pick em game. Just look for your favorite or least favorite player stats. Pick whether you think they'll end up with a higher or lower total than that number in this week's game, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. It's just a adding some more fun ways to watch not just football, but you can do this with all sports as well. When hockey season starts, um, you can do it then too. So you pick between two and five players for your pick entry, get all your picks, right. And you'll take home some cold, hard cash with the opportunity to win up to 20 times your money in a single game. You can search in the app store, click the link or click the link in the show notes and sign up with the promo code P H N X and underdog will double your first deposit up to a hundred dollars. That's underdog fantasy promo code P H N X and get in on the action today so make sure you use that promo code because i did and i got that special offer so you'll have to teach me deposit my money right after the show and and learn more about underdog but we're really excited about that partnership and of course we're always excited about our partnership with four peaks i was really excited to get back to arizona they don't they don't have four peaks on tap in new york city unfortunately but you can get it anywhere you buy your beer here in the phoenix area or in arizona so check it out. Did you guys have a, a good time at Four Peaks last week?
1: We did. We started with the pumpkin porter I before you 11 guys o'clock mashed. in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Your we, shirts. we planned uh, ahead of time. I told, I, a, uh,
2: I told Shane when we had Shane Don on, on the show uh, that after that show, I, I went home and I had to take a nap. <laughs> your two beers old a guy with block. a couple beers in him that's yeah it's all in character.
0: wow it's, it's a great. tough gig that we got here <laughs> oh man right? it was really well,
1: good you know what leah the hard part about four peaks on the on the last wednesdays is they throw and we talked about this when you weren't there they have the old guys go first because <laughs> the younger people aren't out of bed yet so craig and i have to do the 11 o'clock show and they're literally just opening the doors so we had to, we had to wait right until the last second of the show to get our pumpkin porters and our kill lifters but was it worth it, it though? It absolutely worked out. It oh, absolutely it worth it. It. It you know, so they're I so need. good out of the tap. They are. I
0: need to try the pumpkin so porter. I still top. have I, it.
1: I tell you what, I'm not a big, big, overly done pumpkin-flavored anything, and I got to give it to Craig. I don't tell him that I said that, but it's subtle. It's a subtle little it, – it's like pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving morning. It is. It's just a little subtle. It's got a little <laughs> bit of – I don't know if it's cinnamon or nutmeg, but it's got a little something – no heavy aftertaste. It was perfect. I'm ready. Well,
0: Sign out. Now that it's after Labor Day, I'm ready for pumpkin season. But uh be sure, if you haven't already, to enter the Toast of the Month Sweepstakes, and you can win a $50 dollars 4 Peaks gift card, a PHNX shirt of your choice, and a PHNX annual membership. Go to gophnx.com or click on the link in the show notes. You must be 21 or older and enjoy responsibly. Okay. I'm throwing a curveball because I'm bringing up something that wasn't in the rundown. <laughs> I think it's ready. I didn't actually check. But... Uh, the I think it's the NHLPA event. I I shouldn't have known this better. But we saw a picture on Twitter circulating this morning of Dylan Gunther wearing the Kachina. Here it is from Greg Wisniewski. Um Dylan Gunther, the Arizona Coyotes, with their jersey ad. We're starting to see ads on NHL jerseys. All fine and good. But everyone on Twitter was pointing out the fact that the ad on this jersey is Gila River Hotels and Casinos. And leave it to the internet to always find a way to make fun of a situation involving the coyotes because it's like, Oh, they had to leave their arena, but it's still the advertising. Do you have any insight on, on this ad situation?
2: I do not. I know that they still had an agreement with them. So maybe that's part of it. I don't know where they're going down the road with that affiliation. They haven't really talked about that yet, but as PD would say, HK, (laughs) (laughs) I I tell you why Why are we obsessing on this? The the internet's making a
1: big deal about these ad Jersey ads and not just the coyotes, but every team like it's, Oh, this team's that this team's that again. HK like it's, isn't a part of pro sports now.
0: Look at every elite, like in Europe, they've been doing this forever. It's just what it is.
1: It is. I I think it'll be, everybody will talk about it for the first game and the first preseason game. And then it'll just be, did you, do you even remember the helmet ads from last year? I, I, don't even remember it being a thing. Like again, it was just like this, where it was a big deal and everybody made a big deal. Oh, it's on the helmets. I don't honestly don't remember it by the it playoffs. It doesn't even.
0: It doesn't bother me, especially on that black jersey. It's so subtle, yeah. like. And I, and I get it because NHL jerseys are iconic, and you don't want to ruin the, you know, integrity of a, of a jersey. But I don't think that specifically does. So I think this is going to be one thing. You know, every every people don't like change.
1: <laughs> yeah, the one thing. So, on the one last. That's it. The last comment I'll make on those, and you see across the, the league on these patches, is how much the league has pivoted on sports gaming, and how much it was so taboo. To now, it's literally on jerseys, and not just the Coyotes, the Capitals. Like there's, there are sports gaming, you know, apps and so forth on a lot of the sweaters in the league this year. It's just funny to me how quickly the league either abandoned or adopted the new philosophy when you start throwing some money around. So it's, it's interesting to me how quickly they pivoted from being, this is awful. Can't have anything to do with it to Hey, well, let's put a team in Vegas and put it on every sweater we can possibly put it on. So I I just yeah. find it interesting. Not bad. Yeah. I, I, like we say, if you get a little juice on the game, it makes the games more exciting to watch. But, but um, it, it surprises me how much of that is an element right now.
0: Absolutely. Well, Before we dive into the conversation, I know everybody's here for.
1: (laughs) That's why I tuned in today.
0: (laughs) I've obviously, not obviously, but I think at this point, everybody knows that in New York City, I saw Harry Styles um, at Madison Square Garden. And those were tickets that I got very last minute. And I got them through the Game Time app because that's where you can go to get last minute tickets. Um, it's the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. You can save up to 60% on tickets when you buy tickets last minute. It's great for you procrastinators out there. Ahem, me with that sort of thing. The tickets on like Ticketmaster and StubHub were ridiculously priced, but on Game Time, it's much more affordable and it's it's just a really great way to get tickets so if you love phnx then you'll love game time the best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description so please help support us check out game time we got nba starting we got nhl starting mlb there's still a few weeks left of the season so get your tickets on game time <laughs> all right let's get into it first of all if you're watching on youtube this is my shirt right now it's the Harry Styles Love on Tour Madison Square Garden event t-shirt. By the way, this t-shirt is 100% cotton. Guess how much I paid for it?
2: $75. Close. It's a $50 t-shirt. <laughs> I, oh, there was a New York I can't remember
1: the last time I actually bought a concert t-shirt just for that very reason. That's insane.
0: I haven't in six years, but I felt like I had to. Um, But now there's some controversy surrounding not only Harry Styles, but this whole movie thing. And sorry, if you were here for Hockey Talk, you can leave now because we're about to get into some (laughs) interesting conversations here, um, including this video, which we have here. Um, Okay, it was very fast. But if you haven't seen the video, just go on Twitter and search Harry Styles Spit and you'll see this video again. And it is potentially Harry Styles spitting on Chris Pine at the Don't Worry Darling premiere at the Venice Film Festival. And I know Craig has a lot to say on this. So, Craig, I'll give it over to you.
2: I just need to know, Leah, if, if if it in fact is confirmed that he spit in his lap. First of all, we all want to know why. Of course, there's been a lot of drama on that set anyway, not just with those two
0: males. So much drama.
2: Yeah, there's been a lot of drama. But I want to know, Leah, if if it in fact is proven that Harry Styles spit in Chris Pine's lap, are you going to distance yourself from Harry Styles?
0: I I think I definitely would distance myself, but. I don't believe that he did on, or if he did, I don't believe it was on perfect, on purpose.
2: <laughs> Wait a minute! Like Wait
0: what is minute. Sometimes wanna, you know I you just like follow
2: up on that. You can drool and it could fall down, but but the problem is saliva to project over to someone else's lap. You literally have to project it.
0: But what if they had? So. What if it's like an inside joke that they had? I don't know. What if they were like, let's cause more drama for the PR for this film?
2: Maybe, yeah. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever hear the truth on this, but uh, that that was a weird scene. And it, it just <laughs> it's funny that it comes right after you went to see Harry I know. And MFG. So by the way, how was the show?
0: It was phenomenal. Um, yeah. He He's a really good performer. I'm not sure about him as an actor yet. I've only seen him in uh, Dunkirk, which he didn't really have a huge role in. But as a singer and a performer, he's very good. It was my first time ever in Madison Square Garden, um, which was a really cool first experience for me. Um, When I walked in the metal detector, I looked on the ground and there's like uh, plaques kind of on the ground and I looked down and it, it was a Wayne Gretzky one. So it felt very appropriate that I saw the hockey one and also just being there. And as a hockey fan, like looking up and seeing all the New York Rangers banners and retired numbers, it was it was really cool. It's been a dream of mine forever to see anything at MSG. So next on the list is I have to catch an NHL game there. I would love to see that.
1: So. Well, I'm glad you had fun, Leah, because we barely missed you. Right,
4: Craig?
2: Barely? (laughs) Oh, my God. So smoothly while you were gone, Leah.
1: My back is so sore from trying to carry this show for three days. (laughs) It was. I can't... Like, uh, every day from the second you left, every show was like, I was just begging for you to get your butt home because this was so hard. It's hard to do what you do. It's hard to to steer us to. It's really trying to keep Craig and I on track. It's really hard. So I... I am so so grateful that you're back, Leah. <laughs> thank you so much for returning. I was worried you're going to stay with Harry and uh, <laughs> the marry me sign, and we were going to lose your favor because honestly, the show doesn't quite flow the same without you. So, <laughs> glad you're back.
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Um, it is. It's a. It was nice to have a, a vacation. So thank you guys for holding it down while I was gone. Um, and if you haven't, by the way. If you missed the shows last week, Craig and Petey actually talked to Shane Doan on Thursday. You can watch that on YouTube or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. We talked to Travis Boyd. That was last Friday. So lots of great interviews. Um, if you want to catch up on your commute this week, really tons of great interviews. And we possibly have more this week coming up, which is great. And on Friday is our one-year anniversary. Wow. Yeah. of phnx coyotes which is and all the rest of the phnx shows so we'll have a special episode friday about our one-year anniversary i literally cannot believe that we're here on a year so man is that um, regular
1: time leah is that 11 o'clock on friday yep
0: 11 a.m okay. on friday
1: so we might have to uh, by the way speaking of the shane Don interview
2: we might have to highlight one particular quote from shane it will be
0: on our our social media later Look out for that yeah, at right. Page P- P- and X underscore Coyotes. P-
2: like, wait, 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 try to recall what Jade said about. Yeah, so, don't worry
0: about uh, it, Petey. You'll see it later.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, well, speaking of things I can't believe are here already. Uh the NFL, it's NFL week one this week, starting on Thursday and, and Sunday. I cannot wait. I cannot believe it. It's here. And the DraftKings Sportsbook app is hooking our fans up. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus for week one, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code PHNX and bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. That's promo code PHNX. Only at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Check it out today. And we're going to bring in Sean for one second to give. We're going to have a bonus DraftKings pick of the week. So, Sean, what do you got for your early half of the the week pick of the week?
3: I mean, I feel like I don't have much of a choice but to choose the Buffalo Bills minus two. I mean, football's <laughs> back. My oh, team wow. is, is opening off the NFL or kicking off the NFL season for the, the world as favorites. Um, wow. My, yeah, minus two, minus one ten. I, I feel like they're gonna win. You can use that promo if they're up at if they're up by seven points at any point, which I think they will be. You get your money regardless. So, might as well go. Bills minus two. They're about to win the Super Bowl this year. If they win this game, they might go undefeated. go <laughs> um, undefeated. Yet. Here it is. Wow. I, I'm just saying. Early. I'm just saying. So yeah, Bills minus two is my DraftKings sportsbook pick of the week. The right. stay on stay on this screen for a minute, because I'm throwing something else out out that is
2: not in the show notes either. Since we're all here and the Arizona Cardinals are getting ready to start their season, I wanna I want a win projection from each of you. It could be a it could be a range from like, you know, six to seven, nine to ten. What what are your thoughts? Where are the Cardinals going to be in terms of win totals this
1: year? Oh, Everyone. like for the whole season? So, you yeah. know, I have I have a feeling
3: DP is probably a l- little bit more dialed into this, I'm so. Yeah, I've I've looked at their schedule before. I went through this. I think I was thinking like eleven and six, but wow. they could they could end up going like nine and yeah. eight, right? Nine
0: uh, I, was my gut reaction.
3: So, yeah, but I, I was looking at their game. They have the schedule. They have games they should be able to win. Like the the Seahawks are really bad, so that's two wins in conference presumably. Um, I don't. I, yeah, I think that, I think they can win eleven games. I just, I don't okay. think they're gonna really touch the come close to the Super Bowl though. Leah, did you say yours already? Sorry. I
0: said nine was my guy.
3: Okay. Well she had eleven
1: and nine and I was going to say nine too. So now I got to decide because I want to stay I, I want how do you
0: go 10 and do the average? Ten. But it's then 10's okay. yeah,
1: yeah. aggressive though. Ten's 10's that's a good season. Like 10's a playoff season. So is it a playoff team? Are they going to get decimated with injuries again? Are they going to have quarterback controversies and problems? And do I go with eight? But if I say eight, then I get Johnny Venerable and Bo all over me. And I last thing I want is Frank all over me. That'd be, <laughs> oh boy. So I'm going to go with 10 instead of the eight that I really would like to lean to. So I'll say 10. Okay. Well, they can be all over me then because I'm going to go with the 8-9 to
2: range for for the Cardinals for their win total of the season. I I wish they had D-hop, right? Yeah. That's the big thing for me. If you were playing a full season, I'd have more wins on the board, but I think that's going to make a difference early on. So I'm going to go with the – yeah, I'm going to go with that
1: range. And hopefully they prove us all wrong, right? I will okay. say this from my weekend, college football. And I started my, my first, before ASU played on Thursday, I called Shane Diefenbach to get a little, little idea of how to, how to bet that one. And I tell you the deep huge, huge. He said, hammer it, hammer the sun devils, which I did. Unfortunately, the weekend went downhill from there. So I'm mm-hmm. going to have to use the NFL <laughs> week to make up. So I started off one and all, and I've finished one and five. So mm-hmm. We'll have to make it up in the NFL this weekend, All right. so let's well, go, draft Well,
0: Kings. thanks, Sean, for your pick. Much appreciated. Um, and remember, everyone, for DraftKings, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details, and if you want to uh, get more advice from Shane, stay here on the PHNX Sports YouTube channel at, for 12 o'clock for the PHNX Daily Bets show, and you can uh, catch PHNX Cardinals because they know more than – than we claim to know. So if if you've made it this far in the episode, listening to us talk about Harry Styles and film premieres and football, thank you so much for tuning in. You can get football stories at gophnx.com from our talented writers. And we got Craig always um, on top of his stories. He has a lot of great stuff coming up on the website. Anything you want to plug for this week, Craig? Uh,
2: Yeah, I've actually got a couple of uh, stories on players. I'm going to talk to connor timmons tomorrow i'm also going to talk to liam kirk so we'll have a couple updates there
0: awesome well become a member at go phnx to- today you can get a shirt from the locker a free shirt when you sign up for an annual membership if you want to just give it a try for 50 cents you can do the month-to-month membership either way you can join our members only discord where we chat hockey daily so join us there as well I think that's it from us today. Any final notes?
1: I'm just uh, let's go. Like, was the hockey season getting closer? It's getting like
0: closer? close. Like when the we're, When we're talking is... about
1: Harry Styles, it's time to start the hockey season. Let's yeah, go. right. No <laughs> theory, but let's go. Like, As P D would about,
0: say, LFG. G. L F G.
1: Let's talk about players and hockey and rookie camp and. I promise, we're almost
0: there. We're almost. Players
1: there. and rosters Two and we start arguing. Yep. Yep. So we can't yep, can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait for the Phil Kessel returned to ASU. I mean, those kind of things. That's the hard-hitting stuff I want to
0: Phil do. Kessel walking through the concourse. Oh my God.
1: I forgot about the popcorn walk. <laughs> What's he going to Can he get a hot dog in the way? Can you to- get
0: oh, boy, oh, no.
1: can't say that, Phil. Oh no. I'm sorry. No. Oh, I'm sorry. That, oh, it wasn't even light hot
0: dogs. On that. Okay. Let's wrap this up. And by the way, Chris, no, I did not throw nuggets at Harry. Um, he's been asking in the comments. Um, everybody will be back. Again, tomorrow, live at 11 a.m. on the PHNX Sports YouTube channel. And we'll have an audio show Thursday and live for our one-year anniversary show Friday at 11 a.m. So subscribe to the PHNX Sports YouTube channel. Follow PHNX Sports across all socials, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And then follow us on Twitter at PHNX underscore Coyotes. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much again to Jeff Pyle for joining us on our show today. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everyone. And we'll see you tomorrow.